Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody listening wherever and whenever this podcast may find you. Welcome to the Did You Know podcast, and I'm your host, Dustin. Today, I'm going to be welcoming back to the podcast uh, Gigi, previously on episode 47, describing his article on Bitcoin as a living organism. And today is a really just a great talk. And we had uh, actually, before the episode started, I was recording and we were kind of discussing a little bit about what we would talk about. And we kind of just kind of delved right in and then realized we haven't even done the uh, introduction stuff. So this is going to be a little bit different. You're basically just going to roll right into the podcast. And then probably about 12 minutes in, I'll do the introduction as I realized that we hadn't even done that part yet. So uh, that's why it's a little bit out of order. But I think that that discussion at the very beginning kind of really informs a little bit later on into the episode. So that's why I decided to include it and not cut it out or try to splice it in haphazardly. So just be aware of that. But before we go forward, I would like to say thank you to my sponsor, eToro, which is a trusted smart trading platform. They trade traditional assets as well as a variety of cryptocurrency assets. They offer innovative tools and they do over a trillion dollars in trading annually and have 11 million you know, other traders on there in a sort of social network that you can interact with each other. It has some really cool features such as virtual trading where you can practice strategy on real order books with fake money. And then you can also do copy trading. You can allocate a certain percentage of your portfolio to copy a successful trader's moves. So they win, you win, they get a little percentage of your profits. You get to copy someone who's maybe a little bit better than you. And, you know, it's an all-around great thing. Go to digunocrypto.com slash eToro. That's E-T-O-R-O. And you'll get $50 for free to start trading Bitcoin today. Also head over to supportmypodcast.com. And that is a way of helping out the podcast, but also saying thank you to you. Because if you click on the listener supported discounts, you can get access to the discounts that I have already on things like Trezor, Mushroom Coffee, Bitcoin Tax Software, all this other kind of stuff that's absolutely free to you, the listener. So if you're listening, you can go over there right now, no problem whatsoever. And lastly, I'd like to ask if you'd leave a iTunes review, if you could also, you know, give it five stars if you think that's, you know, warranted, which I think that it is. Um, But most of all, I'd like to say thank you. You guys make all this possible. I really do appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen and support us and share. So thanks and enjoy the show. Yeah, no, it's uh, I've been trying to because I... I think you and I, I mean, we could talk about this, or it's a subject I wanted to, to delve into if we had time as well, because his concept of not um, not, not being able Bitcoin. to own Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah, I really, you know, that you occult the knowledge is probably my favorite description of of Bitcoin um, that that's out there, and I think that's the closest to the truth that we've been able to to get to. But yeah, it's it, basically the topics are going to be talking about the the epiphany that you had obviously <laughs> essentially those those pictures and then the uh concept of the 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 bitcoin religion as well and then um you know if we have time the uh not owning your bitcoin and all that kind of good stuff yeah sure um 
Um, I th- I think we we will have time, and I'm happy to talk about pretty much everything. I am the only the only thing I I want to like the only caveat to that is I I had this weird experience, and I can't really I don't have the right vocabulary yet to talk about everything. I tried oh, to course. talk I tried to talk about it with a couple of people with varying success. So <laughs> some of it is just. Um, it's not it's not that it's deeply personal that's not it it's just very um you know indescribable this, yeah this thing happened to me and i i simply lack the vocabulary and i can only talk about it with religious language in a way even though i'm not a religious person at all um like i i view myself as a scientist and i have been a scientific researcher for a couple of years and i have a very I'm first and foremost a skeptic. <laughs> and so it's really weird that this happened to me now and just my brain went into a different mode. And it's kind of like, you know, you you can research sex all you want, but if you had sex once and it was like a, a life-changing sexual experience, it does something to you in a way. And uh, then it's very hard to view sex as just a reproductive thing that we do you know what i mean yeah uh, similarly i had i had what felt like profound insights but from the outside it obviously looked like i went crazy and maybe i went (laughs) crazy you know like i it's not for me to tell (laughs) yeah and i think that most religious experiences are are like that right where from internally there's this profound experience that that's hard to and I, I think a lot of if you read a lot of uh, religious writings from um, whether it was the, you know, the Buddha or um, like uh, St. Uh, Therese, where they had these massively important that it took them a very long time to be able to put into words. And a lot of them even admitted that they just can't describe the the uh, experience just because the there aren't the words in the vocabulary of language to, to fully describe it so it's it's really lacking in terms of your ability to to convey that information because of a lot of it's so personal given your context your history and just you know feelings you can say well i love this person right but that doesn't capture um, yeah the, exactly the, the depth of of that experience i mean it's um, it's it's the old philosophical problem that words are just pointers to experiences in a way like it's it's the word itself is not the thing you know like the, the, if you have a picture of a pipe, this is not a pipe. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's it's similar to like everything we do. Like, if you do any kind of extreme sport or if you do surfing for some, uh, uh, for example, you can talk about surfing all you want. If you never surfed, you don't know really what it is and how it feels like. And it's the same for for any experience really. And uh, if like the more out there the experience is the the more troubling it is to just talk about it but i um i actually i talked to brandon quidham about this and this was okay. very very helpful like he's he's the mushroom guy you know him from uh yeah. bitcoin as, yeah. as a um, living organism mycelial network mm-hmm. absolutely and, I, I agree 100 percent. and he is very like he's very well read in terms of um psychedelic and also religious experiences and i kind of knew that so i contacted him and tried to talk with him about it and that was very helpful because he he has a way better vocabulary and he pointed me to a to a book which i got and 
I've read the first 30 pages or so of it. It's a very weird, very... Um, I hate this word, but I'll use it anyway. It's a very spiritual book. <laughs> and it was written by and someone who had an enlightenment experience and tried to put it into words. And I swear to God, the first 10 or 15 pages, they almost one-to-one match my very chaotic notes that I took while I while I had this <laughs> weird <Wow. laughs> experience in a way. You know how um, stuff like... It's a process that you can't stop. Like it has to unfold on its own. Like a, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. You already know that a caterpillar will be a butterfly, but there is no, there is no um, caterpillarness that you have to strip away. You just have to wait for the process to unfold, and that's how. Um, that's that might be a good segue to bring it back to Bitcoin, <laughs> because that was the trigger for me that I. I realized um, that Bitcoin, in essence, is an idea and it's currently embodied in the Bitcoin network. And um, the basic idea of it is that it's it's unstoppable and it's unkillable. I mean, Satoshi spoke about this uh, plenty of times that the, the basic problem of digital currencies was al- always that you were able to kill them, that you were able to stop them. and. Um, I'm obviously using biological language now that, you know, you, know, you, you kill something and uh, if something is really decentralized, like that's the technical language, um, then it's very, very hard to kill. And that's basically the main idea of Bitcoin, that you build a system that, um, let me try to, let me try to put this right. So I, I think, I believe that Bitcoin is an idea first and foremost, and I believe that it is the right idea like it, it got the main points points right and so what is this idea i think that economically speaking the idea was to build a system which produces absolute scarcity and it does not discriminate so it's it's completely open and it's also neutral and does as fair as it can be and most importantly that it also cannot be undermined it can't be changed and if you want to translate this to technical terms what satoshi obviously did by building a system like technically speaking the idea was to build a system which which has no head and thus is unstoppable it just can't be stopped because there is no single head to to cut off and i believe that in a way bitcoin does it in the same way how life on earth does it because the idea is embedded in the entity itself it's just like biology does it with dna you know like the 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 code of life is embedded in every single living cell and in in a similar way the the code of bitcoin and also the consensus code um like if if i if i say idea think of idea in in quotes um obviously the idea of bitcoin itself is embedded in the code so the idea is kind of equal to the code and also the idea is equal to the consensus rules because this is the most important part of the network in a way i mean it's debatable what is the most important part of bitcoin but this is a very important part <laughs> and one of the neat side effects of the system is that it is pure information and that was part of my insight that um like the idea of Bitcoin is so powerful, it will be able to transcend everything. And I, I, I feel like this loops back also to uh, what Max Hillebrand and the others are saying, 
um, about the you can't really own Bitcoin stuff because everything mm-hmm. is pure information. You can't really own information. But what I think is really, really neat, and I, I think it's just so hilarious that if you if you uh, get down to it metaphysically, you, you really can't own Bitcoin. You just own a number. I, I think that's true. I, I mean, and you, you can debate what what is what is owning stuff and blah, blah, blah. But in essence, you know a number that no one else knows and th- that's how you quote-unquote own Bitcoin. So in essence, you can't really possess Bitcoin. But what's obvious to me is that people can be possessed by Bitcoin because it's such a such powerful idea that um, you... And I mean, I'm the prime example of one of the prime examples. I'm sure there are, there are people that are way more obsessed um, than I am. But I am quite obsessed with Bitcoin, and then I'm ha- I'm having a hard time thinking of something else. And so it's it's funny how you can't really possess Bitcoin, but Bitcoin can possess you, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, ideas are any successful idea is like a virus, right? It propagates and, and spreads, and then um, you know continues to find new hosts. Asset, yeah, exactly. Uh, continues along, and if it's if it's an unsuccessful idea, it just kind of dies um, in the uh, in the original host. Um, yeah, yeah, and but, I think I think that as I said, like Bitcoin first and foremost is an idea, and I think it's I I think it's um, it's the most powerful idea that we have right now in a way, and that's how how I relate it to religions because religions are very powerful powerful ideas as well, and in a way. Bitcoin is such a powerful idea. It it can be used as the base axiom of a society in a way. Like it's a source of truth. You know, it's this beacon of truth that you can't you can't really argue with it. If you believe in the physics that we know, you can't really argue with Bitcoin because to change or to, to say what is embedded in the Bitcoin blockchain is not true is more or less not believing in the current physics that we know. It's uh, it's just the way the whole system is set up, but but also it's not, and and that's where I triggered a lot of people. I think <laughs> you kind of have to believe in Bitcoin as well, because it's not it's not a provable mathematical construct. It's not you. I can't prove to you that Bitcoin is secure, for example, and I can't prove to you that what what is in the blockchain is actually the truth and it's actually what happened. It's probabilistically true, and it's uh it's 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 a messy system just like biology is it it, it it's very unlikely that it's untrue you know <laughs> that's just how the whole system works and i i think all all those kind of things that it, that it possesses you and it's such a grand idea that spreads um yeah from brain to brain in a way also it it has just so many parallels to religions and i didn't even talk about the obvious parallels that we have a creator god that disappeared and we have a white paper which is scripture and we have rituals which is proof of keys and running a node and stacking sets and we have uh, religious fanatics and we have uh, you know freedom fighters uh, that are willing to die for the idea stuff like that so just on a metaphysical philosophical level i think it it is powerful enough to become its own religion and i i'm saying this all of this with a grain of salt but i think that in the next 10 years the amount of people that will be religious about bitcoin or that that are religious about bitcoin will simply rise and then it depends on your de- definition of of a, of a religion i mean 
obviously Christianity and Judaism and the the uh, the big religions that we know the world religions are religions but you also have Scientology and you also have the Jedi Knights you know so it it kind of depends on where you want to draw the line what is a religion for you and whatnot well actually I just uh, if you check your Twitter DMs I just sent you a picture um, of a so I was, I was I made up this graphic that I was trying to make and I was been I got some work to do on the on the hats because uh, the embroidery wasn't exactly how I liked it from the printer, but that was one of the ones that they uh, that they sent, and and I agree one hundred percent in this in this concept of of it being a religion. I, well, actually, here I just realized we haven't even uh, kind of really uh, started started the show yet here. So let me <laughs> let, let me do the introduction here real quick, and then we can jump for, jump jump into it here. I'd like to welcome Gigi Akhilder, author, creative thinker, and creator of 21lessons.com and bitcoin-resources.com. Gigi, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dustin. Nice to be here. And before we get into anything, I heard that you are actually going to be having a baby soon, so congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's <laughs> exciting times. And we were, for those that are, are listening, uh, we kind of had a, a kind of an extensive conversation before we we started here but um you know you were talking about the experience that you had and we'll get into that in just a second but um you know i think that once once your child comes into this world you're gonna have kind of a, another uh, similar experience in a way that that it's it's almost indescribable um once you have a a child and just kind of how that you, you can have the words of like, I love this, this child and, and everything like that. But it's, it's a very, um, to me, it was a very weird experience to say the least. Cause at first I was a bit numb cause I didn't know how to, how to explain it. And then once I started, uh, it, it's very similar to what, what you were saying, how your experience was, was you, yeah. you kind of didn't have the words. And then over time you were able to kind of codify those, those, that experience, those feelings, yeah, into words i think it's it's fitting also because everyone who had a child is saying in a way the same thing and yeah if you didn't have a child yet then you just have to believe that it's yeah exactly. that it's that thing that everyone is talking about but you have no idea what everyone is talking about and i i guess in a couple of months i will look back and, and i'll be like, ah okay that's what everyone talked about <laughs> yeah no it's it's um uh, really excited and happy for you because it is um it's it's a very very cool experience and it's unlike, you know, spousal love and things like that. It's a, it's, it's very primal and yeah. which I think is, a, a, you know, not that spousal love is not as well, but it's, it's different. There's different types of, of loves and depths and meanings, meanings of that. But, um, you know, on a, a recent episode of the Bitcoin echo chamber, you talked about this kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of this epiphany or religious experience that you had at the at the it was a honey badger conference, correct? Yes, exactly. And I, I take everything I say about the religious stuff with a huge grain of salt because um, first of all, I'm not religious, and uh, but second of all, I I kind of understand. Um, well, I'm I'm even having a hard time saying now that I'm not religious, but <laughs> I I don't want to trigger all the atheists, and I also don't want to trigger all the religious people. But um, something happened to me in Riga, and I had a. I, I, it feels to me like I gained a lever. Uh, a, I gained a deeper 
level of understanding in regards to Bitcoin, but also in regards to other things. And I can only describe it as a religious experience. It was really weird. Um, and yeah, I can't really say what triggered it, but what happened to me actually was that I was so excited that I, um, like it felt to me like I had one epiphany after the other and my brain just refused to go to sleep. So I was awake for at least four nights and they actually had had to put me to sleep in the hospital because my brain just would refuse to shut down. Um, so yeah, that was a very weird experience. So could you, you know, and I, well, I would say that you, you're saying that you're not religious and, and you, you, you did kind of walk that back a bit because I, I was going to say that, you know, having an experience like this, having a, an obsession uh, with Bitcoin, as you as you describe it, is is very much the same sort of experience that people have traditional uh, in traditional religions, and I think that a lot of people, because in in my interview with, we can uh, kind of maybe move back to that uh, that experience that you had, or not maybe, but I, I want to move back to that to describe it. But in my interview with with Nick Carter, he he kind of, or I shouldn't say kind of, he pushed back against the idea of even framing Bitcoin using religious language mm -hmm. so you, you know you and i agree that it not only exhibits the signs of a religion you know it's binding um common belief you know mm -hmm. it has rituals it has holidays um which i, I wrote about in an article I'll link to but it, it i think it's already ex you know, achieved that status of a religion or at very mm -hmm. least a cult which is kind of the preamble to a religion yeah. So why do you think that there is resistance to this idea within Bitcoiner circles? Do you think it's that there's that they perhaps haven't come to this realization yet that they're just looking at it in purely economic terms um, of just being a tool? Partly, maybe. I think, you know, Nick Carter is an insanely smart guy and he, I, I'm sure he has his reasons to, to say that. And I'm not really, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with him because I think... Uh, religion has it's such a loaded term and it has so much baggage we don't necessarily necessarily want to associate um bitcoin with religion and walk around and say like hey join this religion it's so cool <laughs> um so i think it will just i think it would be just bad marketing in a way and i think also um we have to be careful how to describe bitcoin and how to pitch bitcoin to no coiners and, and stuff like that um and mind you when i talk to regular people about bitcoin i'm not using religious language i'm not even using bio biological language all of that is very far out there and um i'm currently yeah dancing on on the edge of my understanding of what this thing is and i think that religion fits and for me it's simply what is the right level of analysis and you can do this for all kinds of things. I mean, you can also ask yourself, what is the right level of analysis for humans? Because you can go downwards and you can say that we are just our, our parts, like our constituents. And you can say that we are just organs in a, in a meat bag, you know? And we can also say that uh, we are like our microbiome, for example. There are, there are so many organisms living in us and on us without those organisms we wouldn't be able to function you could also say that we are just ourselves 
and we could also say that we're just our DNA, you know, and you can, I, I just went downwards uh, with the level of analysis, but you can also go upwards and you can say, we are our family and we are our friends because you're basically the combination of the five people closest to you. And you can also say that we organize ourselves in groups and in clans and in companies and other organized groups. And you, know, you can have an, a level of analysis, which is even bigger than that. And you can view people as just tiny dots on a map and uh, just talk about very large organizations or nation states or whole populations of continents and all of that is kind of useful so the question to me is what is the right level of analysis in bitcoin and you can say it's just serious and once and you can also say it's just code and you can also say it's just software it's just technology all of that is kind of true but you can go further and i'm i'm I made all these steps in a way because you can also say it's fintech you know and we have a lot of fintech people that are stuck in this fintech circle and you can say it's just finance it's a financial instrument and you can use it to send value around but uh, it's it's nothing more i think beauty on has this this viewpoint pretty much down <laughs> and you but you can go a step further and say it's it's money and you can go a step even further and say it's sound money it's the soundest money we ever had so it's a monetary revolution but you can also say that it's a social movement and it's a revolution and it's it's similar to other big social movements. And I compared it uh, to the gay pride movement, for example. Uh, I, th I think there are some comparisons there as well because we have closet Bitcoiners, you know, and we had closet gay people and we still have closet gay people in the world. But the next step for me would be that it's it's an infectious idea. It's like a, a, it, it can be used as an axiom to view the world. And that's where religion comes in. And I think the most powerful, like a, a lot of people say that it's a meme. And to me, the most powerful memes in the world are religions. And I think that in, in on the level of analysis level, Bitcoin is such a grand, grandiose, huge, ingenious idea. And it's so infectious that in a couple of years, it would make sense to talk about Bitcoin as a religion. And I think religious language really works just like biology biological language and uh biological level of analysis really works to to kind of delve deeper into this i mean i agree that it isn't probably good marketing for a percentage of the population and but i'm i'm not an actually an atheist in the least so i have different issues with that term because bitcoin wouldn't be what i describe as my faith but i do recognize that it is exhibiting these signs i think it's important to have these discussions because we can't pretend it's not becoming something that it's not. And I think that you, you say that it's a loaded term because, well, the term religion, you know, to look at what it means, the uh, uh, Max Lynn Stackhouse, who uh, was a, a writer and a, um, I believe a preacher in the United Church of Christ, if I, if I remember correctly, they defined religion as a comprehensive worldview or metaphysical moral vision um, that is accepted as binding because it is held to be in itself basically true. And just even if all of its dimensions of it cannot be fully confirmed or refuted. And I, I think that that would, that would fit Bitcoin yeah. because the term religion doesn't have to necessarily mean, uh, you know, that you go to certain places on certain days uh, that you have certain opinions of other people. Although, you know, even just using the term no coiner or, you know, shit coiner <laughs> it is a way of, of identifying the other outside of your own, out of your own belief system. Um, in Sanskrit, the word Dharma 
which is kind of often associated with the word religion, although that's that's not 100% accurate. It also has the meaning of law. In Hebrew, they uh, they don't have a concept of religion within kind of Judaism, um, you know, in the same way that they do in, in our Western sense. But a central tenet of, uh, I think it's pronounced uh, halakha, uh, is translated as law, which is, you know, the law in Judaism is a central uh, part of their belief system. While it's not necessarily the same thing, I think, that we're talking about in Bitcoin, I think it is very parallel uh, to what we're talking about, where it's it's almost a, uh, a, a, a term of, of, of law as a matter of, of faith. Because you see within Bitcoin, you have, we, we talked about the holidays and the rituals, like running your own full note is your way to like verify the objective truth uh, within that religion where you have, you know, specific holidays. We have, you know, Bitcoin pizza day. Uh, we even have certain days, uh, although I don't think it's really as big as the other ones where we kind of talk about the mm-hmm. how Finney tweet or anything like that, where the uh, the the fork of Bitcoin was kind of trying to be celebrated as a day, although I didn't think it took off as, as much as the others. But it's yeah. it. I think there's a lot of parallels between there, and I don't think that we can ignore that. Yeah, I think so too. And there are more and more days and rituals coming. I mean, uh, we have proof of keys, for example, which kind of is is a ritual and a and a holiday as well. Um, like it's one day of the year where everyone, um, yeah, proves that they have ownership of their keys and just uh, move stuff from the ex- exchanges. And we have new rituals popping up all the time. I mean, stacking sets in a way is also a ritual. And uh, for a while, Wasabi Wednesday was really big. Like every Wednesday just provide liquidity to Wasabi. And um, so I think think it's very fitting, like you say. And I'm, what, what I, what, what was part of my inside i'm I'm, and i'm still i'm still trying to figure out what happened and what what i should really believe and uh, what is the best vocabulary but uh, um well i'm sorry to to butt in but um i mean you you kind of described the i I just kind of want to make sure that we kind of walk it all the way through of what happened so you you were at the conference and like you said you had this experience and you were up for four days because you just your mind wouldn't yeah shut off so what was kind of the the genesis of those days as you were trying to (laughs) trying to figure this out what was happening kind of day by day you you talked about that you were writing down basically kind of drew out and and your experience is kind of codified in these drawings Mm -hmm. that you were doing on i don't know if it was paper or napkins uh but uh it was paper i had notebooks with me okay Yeah. yeah if you could kind of describe the the kind of the the process over those days of how you were um up until this point um how that Hmm. that experience kind of revealed itself um yeah that's a really good question i don't i'm not sure if i have good answers i i basically i didn't sleep too much in the first night because i was just uh out uh out and about with with everyone and i didn't want to miss the conference so i got up early again so i slept for maybe three and a half four hours something like that and in the second night, I uh, I actually wanted to do the very responsible thing, and I I got home at midnight, and I wanted to sleep, but for some reason I was, I just my mind was very awake, and I couldn't put myself to sleep, <laughs> and so I basically lay in bed for, uh, for the whole night, and I I didn't really sleep. Maybe I had some micro sleeps. I don't know, but uh, I don't know how this works. But I but I had a couple of insights, and I. 
um i i wrote them down uh whenever i had them so um i kind of have proof that i didn't really sleep <laughs> and the same thing happened in the next night and then things got really out of hand i i was all over the place i think it was basically because i didn't sleep and i think your brain shifts in a very different mode if it's very sleep deprived and i basically was more and more behaving like an insane person and uh, i was just very unorganized and very all over the place and some people that were with me they obviously noticed that and i uh um i flew back from from riga and i all I met one of my best friends and I crashed on his couch and wanted to go home after that. But I actually had to crash on his, on his couch for two nights because I still couldn't really sleep and I still had these kind of weird insights slash epiphanies. And I, I can't really put it into words yet, but I basically, my main insight was, um, I sent you a picture, right? And this picture is, like a circle which consists of multiple circles on the outside so um maybe yeah you, you can... sent you sent that to me and i'll uh, and if anybody goes to the show notes which would be um did you know crypto.com slash ep uh five seven i'll have those that those pictures up there for anybody but sorry to butt in there but just yeah, yeah let no, everybody know. no no that's that's perfect just if, if you look at this picture i uh, I view Bitcoin and understanding Bitcoin as this picture, basically. And you can end up in those small circles and you can view Bit Bitcoin as just, just the idea, you know? And then you might be very interested in the white paper and understanding the white paper. The next circle would be you can view Bitcoin just as code, you know? And uh, if you're a programmer, you might get stuck in this circle. And you can move on to the next circle and you can understand it as technology and as uh, um, also um, as just uh, software that you run. And uh, some people, I think, are stuck in that, that circle as well. And the next one would be like between the technology and finance is the fintech circle. <laughs> there are some people stuck in there as well. There are some people just stuck in the, in the finance circle. And you, you, you go from technology to fintech uh, to tech. Uh, sorry. You go from technology to fintech to finance, from finance to finance and monetary phenomena to monetary phenomena, monetary revolution, sound money. And uh, there are some people that really try to analyze Bitcoin as its own thing. So I think understanding Bitcoin as, as a bio biological organism or something that has gravity, like the Bitcoin explainers, they are in their own circle as well. And uh, the, the next steps, like the next steps of understanding Bitcoin or the next circles where you could end up with, that's, that's how I pictured it in my mind, you know, like I'm just, I'm just trying to make sense what was in my mind those couple of days. Uh, the next couple of steps are are kind of huge steps to uh, to viewing it as something that is a mind virus and a meme, and then you're back at the idea stage again. So it, in a way, what I wrote under this drawing the first the first time it popped into my head was like the rabbit hole is circular, and it's possible to go like one way around it if you're not stuck in one of those smaller circles, and then the whole idea of Bitcoin is circular. And uh, I think what triggered my, the, the, this understanding that I had and um, what also triggered this image was when I talked to Hesma Cook. He's a very he has a very deep understanding of of Bitcoin, and I I view him as the Bitcoin Pope because uh, he has such an aura to him, and he uses religious language all the time, and he does it in a like 
half jokingly way, but he's also kind of serious about it. Like tithing in Bitcoin, like you you have to stack sets every day and you have to dollar cost average every day. <laughs> and there is just no way like s selling is a sin and stuff like that. And talking to him, I um, I kind of realized that the, the last step is um, f elevating Bitcoin from a cult status where we obviously are. I mean, maximalism is a cult and we have dietary restrictions where most maximalists or many maximalists just eat meat and drink water in a way. And uh, as you said, we have a lot of specialized language to separate us from them and uh, you have the toxic maximalists and you have no coiners and pre-coiners and shit coiners and stuff like that and i think that the next step from from the cult is going in in the religious direction and uh, as i said before i think religious religions are the biggest memes in the world like they're the the biggest most important and most powerful mind viruses and I think Bitcoin, in a similar way, is a mind virus. But if you if you go this step, you're basically back at the idea level. And my insight was that again, um, Bitcoin is an idea first and foremost. And I'm I'm pretty convinced that the idea is right. And I think we can also make parallels to religions in that way because um, th there are some ideas in the, in this world, like there there are some things where the basic idea is right for example the sovereignty of the individual i think the west got this right and also in the legal system the presumption of innocence um i think that, i think again the west and the legal system in the west got this right if you want to lose if you want to use religious language you could say that the divinity of every soul you know like uh christianity got this right that every 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 person has a a divine soul it has a, a divine part um uh, and I'm, I'm, I just know the, 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 the German saying, like, die Würde des Menschen ist unantastbar. Like, uh, you, you, no matter what someone did, he still has this divine part in, in him. Uh, so you have to treat them with respect, even if they are a mass murderer. And I think Bitcoin got the basic idea right as well. And the basic idea is that you have absolute scarcity, so no one can produce more of it. Absolute openness, so everyone can participate. Absolute transparency, so everyone can validate the design and the supply as well. And it's also, I would say, absolutely set in stone, so you can't change the, the soul, the essence of Bitcoin. And all of that is, is very religious to me in the, in, in the way that there are obvious parallels to the greatest ideas of the world. I don't know, what do you say? <laughs> So this kind of harkens back a bit to the previous interview that we did where you were talking about Bitcoin as an organism, because I think that there's a lot of parallels between organisms and religions. Uh, in Catholicism, the church itself is referred to as the body of Christ and evolutionary biologists have you know, described religion as, as an evolutionary organism. It stays alive through the practices of its adherence, it survives, it multiplies or dies if the, you know, the intake is not enough to sustain it. And I think that this idea of the emergence of the, of, a, of Bitcoin as a, as a religion is a natural outgrowth of where you talk about Bitcoin as an organism 
where it pays people to keep it keep it alive, where this is a natural outgrowth of it, where it is creating faith or a religion, however you want to describe it, as a better meme for it to survive than just mere monetary incentive. Yeah, and where and I think you you hit the point the 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 point on on the head like you hit the nail on the head there because I believe that obviously bitcoin is so powerful because of monetary incentives like obviously and all the economists talk about that and i, I think you know Seyfedina Musk could talk about it for 10 hours straight why bitcoin works and why it's so powerful and why it captures people's minds and imagination and so on and so forth but i believe that we have a, a certain subset of people even if bitcoin even, even if we would have a catastrophic failure and it would go to zero even even though i think it's it's pretty much impossible but even if we would have that they would not give up this idea you know that's and that's what i realized in a way it's way more powerful than i thought because even if it would even let, let's say we we break the cryptography let's say that everyone can buy a quantum computer and we, we break the cryptography and let's say we that we would have to start from scratch so to speak um, and do it in a very messy way i think there would be enough people to just rebuild something new out of the ashes and um that's like from from an economic viewpoint that's kind of weird and almost irrational or uh with pure economic thinking i'm not sure if you can explain that no i i don't i don't think that you can and this has been something i've been trying to work on for a while i've been so at first i, w I was trying to figure out it's part of this journey of figuring out what is Bitcoin. And, and it's funny because the longer that I spend and the more often that I think I know what it is, the more often I realize I don't know what it is. And I was trying to figure out, you know, the, is there at first I was going, okay, what are the first principles of Bitcoin? But that was a bad term because first principles have a very specific definition. So I think, maybe foundational principles of it. Um, and, and this is still a very rough draft in, in my mind and a little bit on, on paper, so to speak, of how I've tried to work my way through it. And I'll probably come to a lot different uh, or different uh, conclusions, perhaps, by the time that I'm done with it. But so, you know, looking at it as cent a not decentralization and money, I think are subsets of sub principles of the main principle of Bitcoin, which you already talked about that, that sovereignty uh, as a Western concept was something that we got right uh, as the individual and that that the the sovereignty as a principle as a mind virus in itself is something that creates different tools to achieve its its end and bitcoin is is one of these tools or probably one of the greatest tools that it has created in that bitcoin's sole goal as far as for its its users or i should say the its its uh its effect is individual sovereignty and that in that way it kind of almost preceded bitcoin and that to achieve that goal in Bitcoin, it needed some. Uh, it needed a subset of principles. I would say that uh, money would be one of those uh, principles and uses, although that's not 
obviously the only aspect of Bitcoin and decentralization was necessary for it to be because if it was centralized, it would not be able to achieve sovereignty. So it's, it's been something I've been trying to kick around in my head of of the the because I think it's important. And, and this also falls into the religious uh, aspect of it as well. I think that it's important that we have kind of a agreed upon set of of principles of what what makes of what bitcoin is <laughs> it's because in that way it's something that can be defended versus uh just mere economic utility as a yeah. means and end unto itself whereas these these principles these uh tenets of of a religion um are are or the religious aspect of it is an outgrowth of Bitcoin and of this principle of sovereignty to be able to secure it, um, to kind of bind people's minds all together in, in a common goal so that when there's attacks from outside or that there's moves from inside to make it, to, to make it more wishy-washy, to make it, um, to, <laughs> to try to water it down from the inside, that there's these uh, very very energetic and very strong reactions to the contrary to stop that from happening. Yeah, I, I, I think I have a couple of things to say about that because I think uh, with moral frameworks and also with religious texts, I think it always was behavior first and then rules second. And with Bitcoin, it's it's the same thing in a way. Uh, what, what I mean by that is, take the Ten Commandments, for example. Uh, people obviously behaved in a certain way before the Ten Commandments were a thing. And I think people just observed how good families, good societies, good people behaved and they wrote the rules after the fact. You know what I mean? It's it's just you observe what works and then you write it down. And I think trying to do the same thing, it's it's obviously very messy with humans. I mean, we now have the, the code of the human rights and, and other things and we, we have some certain moral standards and we have the golden rule and we have, we have stuff like that. But still, it's very messy. What's the right thing to do and whatnot? It's, it's, it's a very messy concept. And um, yeah, describing that and setting up rules for a behave, behavioral system in a way is... I would say almost impossible. <laughs> it's it's really hard to do. And then in a similar vein, in in Bitcoin, we we kind of have this like there is no specification. You know, the, the the Bitcoin network embodies the spirit of Bitcoin to use religious language in a way. And I think describing it and trying to do a ten commandments of Bitcoin in in a specification and in a what is Bitcoin sense, it just doesn't work and it, it can never work because as you said, Bitcoin is a complete completely decentralized system. So there is no authority that could say, okay, and this is now the Bitcoin system. And that's that's also a lot of people have hangups with with understanding that that's why a lot of people focus on the white paper for example but the white the white paper doesn't matter and that's also why i think that bitcoin again first and foremost it's an idea and whatever currently embodies this idea best is bitcoin and currently that's the bitcoin network and the bitcoin core client and the stuff that everyone uses and the stuff that um is used as a host for this idea. If 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 a, if a new, better other client would be written and it would do what Bitcoin does in a more efficient, more profitable, better way, or even if, for example, Bitcoin 
transcends the internet and we would have something else than the internet which is better and faster and more resilient then bitcoin obviously would use that and i think it wouldn't change the soul of bitcoin it wouldn't change the essence it it would just use another like the idea itself would use another host and that's how i see it and it's it's all of it is very messy but messiness is inherent in decentralization and that's also why i think that viewing it as a form of life is so very helpful because life itself is very messy as well because life itself is decentralized i don't know i, I hope everything i say kind of makes sense <laughs> no no it does so my like i said it's a very it was a very rough concept that i was i was moving around and it's not it was it was not meant to be some sort of it Ten Commandments in a way where it was literally set in stone, right? As as in the way that it, when Moses wrote them on the tablets, as this is, you know, for time immemorial, and it was solidified. That's kind of um, almost using BSV language in a way, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, where, exactly. and it, it was more of a, I don't know, like it's very hard for me to describe as well because I, I haven't been able to quite figure it out as as a way of describing because once. Bitcoin was was released it's it's an idea and it is a idea that once it was released started to evolve in and of itself and to uh, change to make itself more resilient to increase its survival and will continue to change over time so these certain principles that that I would have you know, that I kind of mentioned earlier may end up, you know, evolving as well over time in these kind of uh, tenets of the of the religion that it's creating around itself uh, for survival will, because at the end of the day, uh, which, sorry, I hate using that term, uh, the, the organism is going to want to preference survival uh, over, over anything else. And that's yeah. really what the, any organism does, what, you know, through reproduction, um, through sexual selection of traits and it, in any other thing that it does, you know, humans did that with, you know, we, with our increasing um, brain capacity, we had to in, ingest more and more nutrients and, and better quality nutrients and, you know, have um, uh, our children were actually born earlier then we are actually ready to come out uh, just mm -hmm. because of our brain size. But that was the trait that led to the survival of the human species. And I think that Bitcoin operates in that way uh, to, to a point as well, where it, it is increasing its collective intelligence um, as kind of this. Uh, it's hard to describe it because we kind of did that in the last episode of trying to describe what kind of organism yeah. it is, right? It, <laughs> where it's almost a collective intelligence like a, or swarm intelligence. Um, yeah, kind of like yeah. a, a bunch of birds where it's individual individuals running, you know, nodes and operating on the network who are providing mm -hmm. their own collective intelligence and kind of that whole swarm is moving this way and that as it as it reacts to different things. And, and we see that as it reacts to, you know, throughout its history, you know, price dumps and price pumps more exactly. um, uh, individuals, the, the public becoming more aware of it. Um, the the proliferation of of these just shit coins um, and random projects out there, uh, especially in 2017 when we saw that where Bitcoin has shifted and has become 
and Bitcoiners have become more, I, I would say, more dogmatic and and much more kind of line in the sand. Where earlier on, while the, you know a lot of people weren't fans of Litecoin or Dogecoin, it was kind of a, a joke almost in a way. Coinye, all these different coins that had come out, <laughs> yeah. and where in 2017 it was you know started to become seen as more of an existential threat of taking away the momentum of Bitcoin where the where the dogmatism of individuals and, and kind of calling out these these projects as being kind of bunk um, it seemed to kind of rise out of it where now you see within Bitcoiners the the more um, and you could say it's for worse or whatever it's kind of individual uh, choice of how you want to describe it but uh, the the kind of the the attack dogs and white blood cell count um, yeah. uh, folks have kind of started to rise more to the the top as as these projects have come out to threaten the momentum of this of this organism. Yeah, and I think it all loops back to uh, again, as I said, first and foremost, Bitcoin is an idea, and I think the idea is to separate money from state. I mean, there there are a bunch of ideas embedded in Bitcoin, but uh, as you said, the immune response to all the all the shit coins and everything that was going on, all the ICOs in 2017, it, it was a very strong immune response, and that's also where uh, I would say, uh, as is, as you also said, that a lot of the dogmatism and a lot of the toxic maximalism was born. But I think it was a necessary response, and you can you can you can view it as you know, on on a level of analysis of people, people stepped in and did what is in their self interest because. Obviously, every Bitcoiner wants Bitcoin to pump, but it, it's also in their interest of fulfilling this idea of separating money and state. And this, again, loops back to a kind of a self-interest if you um, if you think that um, Keynesianism is just insane and fractional reserve banking and all of that is insane and you want to return to a sound money standard so that uh, it, a lot of the ills of the world are fixed then you have to kind of rise up and speak up and tell every shitcoiner that he's just yeah he's in the he's wrong on this you know we have one we have one chance to fix money to fix money and bitcoin is it and i think a lot of people came to this realization and started to speak up but uh, as as you obviously said as well um and i i think the level of analysis of bitcoin as a as a living organism works so insanely well because you can flip the perspective and you can view it from the bitcoin point of view and if you view bitcoin as a living entity as, as its own thing it obviously it, it pays the maximalists to speak up for it and to protect it <laughs> and you have the as you said the white blood cells that kick in and uh yeah trigger this Im immune response and i think it it works like all this biological language works so insanely well because there is a close line between a strong immune response, uh, a, like it's a thin line between a strong immune response and an autoimmune disease. And I think what we saw in, in 2018, um, after the fallout of 2017, we had a lot of, a, a lot of infighting and a lot of um, battles were fought where I'm not even sure if it was a, a immune response or an autoimmune disease because the white blood cells, they can go haywire and attack the organism itself as well. Well, to, to kind of go back a bit in to your, to your realization or your experience, and you were talking about the different circles of kind of, uh, I guess you do, 
could would it be best maybe describe them as the different kind of circles of understanding of of bitcoin yeah maybe yeah uh did you i mean i i think that it's it's quite telling that you did this in in a circle is that there's not really necessarily a hierarchy of of understanding but that maybe and i might be describing this incorrectly but maybe the that these different circles of understanding that bitcoiners have that if you work your way through and you have all these and you and you've come to the realizations within each circle that that's how you'll get a not a full understanding of it but a a a coming to a more i guess to to go back to religious terms almost in a way of enlightenment in the in the buddhist sense <laughs> where yeah where it's it's um it's it's something that a lot of or maybe you don't even it's it's a it's a not a end goal perhaps but a a um a goal that or that's not an end it's not an end that you achieve and then you're done but that you're constantly working your way through these circles constantly yeah, to gain exactly. more and more understanding of it exactly i i think it, it felt to me and and again i take everything i say with a huge grain of salt i i i um i mean i kind of feel comfortable talking about it because uh i i just don't give a fuck to be honest like well that and it doesn't really matter well we talk about price discovery in bitcoin right (laughs) but i think that this is this is uh elements of understanding discovery or or uh, of knowledge discovery within bitcoin where you know like you said it's it's very rough and you still haven't quite figured it out yet but it's it's a matter of of a price discovery of understanding within bitcoin as we're working our way through these concepts yeah uh i think um since since you mentioned the circles a couple of times i think just bitcoin in general is circular and i think uh has mccook said that beautifully that bitcoin is nature like it's 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 at at the end of the day it's rooted in energy and so it is like a force of the universe. It is it is nature itself, and nature obviously is circular. You have circular rhythms, and with Bitcoin as well, you have circular adoption cycles. You have circular price discovery, which which are the bubbles. Um, but you have a lot of other circular phenomena. For example, the whole security mechanism in Bitcoin is circular. Uh, like mining becomes profitable, more miners start to mine again, security goes up, then the worth of the token goes up, and uh, so we begin again. So it becomes more profitable and so on. And there, there are there, like, there are dozens of these kind of circular phenomena in Bitcoin, and I in- intend to write about it as soon as I can, but I have so many other things to do before that, that it will probably take half a year before I can really articulate what I mean and uh, do all the drawings properly and just articulate everything properly. So I'm I'm basically using uh, u- using this podcast here to think out loud <laughs> and trying to to uh, work on my articulation. But um, the the levels of understanding, I I think it's not a, a hierarchy, and it, I I also I also think it's impossible to understand Bitcoin completely. I I. I believe that, like I started to believe that already one and a half years ago or so. I it, it dawned on me that understanding Bitcoin completely is just not possible because it's just um, it's too 
all-encompassing and you would have to understand economics completely you have you would have to understand computer science completely and cryptography completely and game theory and so many other things and it's also what i i believe that bitcoin is also its own thing like it's a combination of all those disciplines but it's also it's an it's a new alien technology and everyone is trying to understand it and since it's so new i don't think that you can have a full understanding and what you what you said um that's exactly how how it felt to me like in the buddhist way of things uh, i i felt like i achieved enlightenment and that's oh my i i hate myself for saying that <laughs> but i i have no other language to use and in a way i just realized that it doesn't fucking matter like bitcoin already won and i achieved full bitcoin sam i just you know i i realized that it doesn't matter what we do it doesn't matter what i do it doesn't matter what anyone does bitcoin already won and i believe that we are 50 percent there in in speaking in time terms i think it will just take another 10 years and bitcoin is so economically powerful and such a powerful idea and it's so technical powerful and it has such neat side effects that everything will work itself out in the next 10 years or so and if it's 20 years i don't care like it's the same order of magnitude it won't take 100 years it will take 10 more years i always repeat that in the ne next nine years we will have three halvings we only had two yet like bitcoin is still so small it's so 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 small if anyone is listening to that and it's like 2019 2020 you're still so early you have no idea and it's it's just a, a metamorphosis and, uh, and that's also what i realized that it's an unstoppable force it's an unstoppable idea and it's a force of nature and we're now at a stage where i think it can't be stopped anymore i tried really hard to work through this how to stop bitcoin and uh i i wrote a very lengthy article on it and then i deleted everything and i just said you don't kill bitcoin so the article was called how to kill bitcoin and the content of the article is just you don't and i think that to come back to what i said at the very very beginning it's like a, a, a process it's like a natural process it's just like a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly we're not at the butterfly stage yet but we are like halfway in in the caterpillar stage and we ha we have our nice cocoon and just people are working on bitcoin Pe people are quitting their jobs to work on bitcoin for free um we have a lot of companies that hire core developers we have a lot of companies that really believe in this idea the companies are all over the world the people are all over the world i don't think it can be stopped and i think that the governments and the current powers that be are way too comfortable and too much like they're asleep basically and bitcoin will um yeah, it will conquer this world by storm. Well, I think you talked about the fact that you can, you won't ever understand Bitcoin. I think that this is a parallel to the the Christian concept of the imitation of of Christ, right? Uh, where you are, you model your life after the imitation of of Christ, which is you know God on Earth where you while recognizing that you can't achieve it the 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 point of doing so is to continually work yourself towards um a, a better perfect understanding right so in in the understanding of bitcoin whereas you probably won't ever achieve that goal of totally understanding it as it continually to evolve it continues to evolve in ways that we don't yet realize or, or totally grasp you know the constant 
working your way through those circles is a way of of achieving a better a better knowledge of it and and thus having a a um a better a a a better understanding of it to to move forward but with you know to go back to the discussion of religion where so you talked about in the echo chamber how within one to two years you you said that you see it as kind of um emerging into main a more mainstream uh whether it's mainstream public or just mainstream bitcoiners as as that uh, where do you see it how it exists today and then how do you see it kind of going forward in the future in whatever you know whether you want to go Mm -hmm. one or two years or 10 years or 100 years into the future (laughs) um i think obviously currently bitcoin has cult status like all the maximalists are part of a cult and uh, everyone is saying it tongue-in-cheek but it's obviously true i mean again we have carnivore dinners we have uh people that are on a steak only diet (laughs) we have um people that are not willing to speak the the names of other shit coins you know like don't even it's like have you heard of ripple and then it's like what what ripple no never heard of it (laughs) Uh, and uh like people self-identify as as maximalists and people self-identify as toxic maximalists and um all of it is a kind of a joke and 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 tongue-in-cheek but at the same time it's not the people they they obviously go to those gatherings and they have this carnivoriness and it's a lot of camaraderie and it's a lot of cultish behavior but i'm not i'm not using this term I'm using this term technically, not in a, a dejoratory um, sense. So I'm part of this cult as well, obviously. <laughs> and I think the first um, the first people are starting to take this even more seriously. And that's, I think, where we uh, get religious tendencies. But again, take everything I say with a, with a grain of salt. I, I don't mean that people will build churches for Satoshi and go into these churches in the next one or two years or something like that not at all i just i just mean it in a way that um bitcoin is such an important part of your life that you are being religious about it that's how i mean it and we have people that do the same thing for the first three star wars movies for example it's such an important part of your life that that you're just being religious about it and you watch it for for example once a month or something like that and if someone else makes a joke about it he will not be your friend anymore and uh that's that's how i see it developing and everything after that we will see i mean i think there are a, a handful of people um probably hundreds of people worldwide that are already very religious about it like they religiously stack sets they sacrifice a lot of their life to just get their hands on as much bitcoin as they can and it's not only with stacking sets it's like you said as well it's uh, in terms of trying to understand it as deeply as you can i mean i sacrificed all of my all old life in a way to study bitcoin full-time and i'm still doing that so i i sacrifice a lot to um be able to do what i'm doing now and i think there are a lot of people like me that are just so obsessed by it and um, i don't mean obsessed in a bad way it's just uh like it, it doesn't make sense to to do anything else because your 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 whole mind and your whole soul is in this thing anyway so you might as well uh try to give it your best shot and um yeah that's 
that's very close to a religious devotion, I would say. So that, that's that's how I see it. Well, given that Bitcoin lives in the digital space, it does not live in the physical space. I don't think that it will ever, or I shouldn't say it will ever, it won't ever, but that the idea that this would, you know, if you talk about a, a Bitcoin religion in, in, in these terms, that it would be somehow uh, building its own buildings. I think that it, it will be seen in the future as the first um, uh, online um, digital uh, religion in a way it, that it, it will live totally within the digital space um, as we are moving more and more towards a, a digital future where we're less, we spend less time in the meat space and more time in the digital space. And it, it wouldn't make sense to me um, other than just for mere tradition because people still have uh, a lot of ties and rightly so to the physical space, right? Where it, it will present itself um, at times in that. I mean, we kind of see that in a way where early early Christians would, would gather within the Roman Empire. They would go, you know, into catacombs or into small homes and they would meet and, and they would talk about uh, their faith and, and practice their rituals there in small groups. And we kind of see that within Bitcoin meetups already, where it's mm -hmm. kind of these small groups of, of the faithful, if you want to call them that, um, yeah. and, and new converts, you know, meeting and talking about it, becoming uh, kind of getting a base understanding of it. Whereas uh, as they move on, they, they work on their own and kind of uh, study uh, on their own to get a, a better understanding of it. But it, it'll be a hundred percent, or I should say like 98% digital, uh, versus mm -hmm. versus physical yeah i think i think that's true but i also think that it's important to meet in the physical space because just the, the bandwidth is so much larger like if you talk to a person uh face to face in in the real world it's it conveys just at, for example conveying the level of conviction on twitter is really hard but if you meet someone else in real life at a meetup or at a conference um it you immediately click with those people that have the same level of conviction as you are. It doesn't matter if it's high or low. It's it's kind of like, um, it's weird how this works. <laughs> and so I think that physical spaces are important. And I'm I'm not sure if I, I'm, I mean, I 100% understand what you mean when you say that Bitcoin is, is purely digital. And I, I agree, of course. I think, again, it's just an idea and it's, it's the current incarnation of these ideas uh, with the current software on the current pipes that make up the internet <laughs> but it's it's also it, it can be physical in a way i mean we, um for example your private key can be a physical thing and we have hardware wallets and open dimes and paper wallets and stuff like that and in a way it's also not obvious to me that bitcoin is purely phys uh, like bitcoin obviously needs the physical world to function and uh i'm i'm saying that because i when I went through the mind exercise of how to kill Bitcoin, you could try to attack the physical infrastructure of the internet and do segregated internets, like you can cut the undersea cables and stuff like that. So in a way, Bitcoin is this weird organism which lives partly in the informational realm, but also partly on the hard drives and fiber optic cables and other stuff in the physical realm. So it's, it's not that clear cut to me, but I, I get exactly what you mean. And in a way, we had this 
we had these um, purely digital things before that, for example, in Second Life and in other online games and other online communities where uh, you have worldwide communities and it's it's not obvious that those kind of communities exist because there are no huge gatherings and there are not huge um, buildings where people meet up. But those are millions of people that share the same interests and share the same worldview in a way. And if they meet up, they are a force to be reckoned with. And I think we can see that with online gaming and we can see that with esports, for example. Suddenly there are stadiums with 30,000 people, 50,000 people, and they are fully booked and there are like 30,000 people watching a Counter-Strike tournament. And um, I I know that because I'm part of that group as well. Like I, I've been in those kind of stadiums and it's it's a force to be reckoned with if you meet people in the real world and you realize that uh, there are many of you. <laughs> I think we will have the same thing happen in Bitcoin in the next couple of years. Yeah, it- well, more of what I was getting at was just as we move forward in the future, but uh, the the yeah the experience that you get, especially in large crowds, because that that just kind of plays into the the crowd and and mob mentality, in not a bad way, um, but in yeah. a good way where you have these common experiences that you can't quite get where if you go uh, just to, to to stay on our theme, if you go to a religious festival regardless of what it is whether it's Mm -hmm. you know the hajj or going to a a large mass in catholicism or um going to a a buddhist monastery where there's a large amount of monks all praying um where you participate Mm -hmm. in this common common experience it's much more powerful than either just watching the video and or just reading about it and reading like you can you can go and you can read religious experiences of of mystics throughout history but it's not the same thing as as experiencing it yourself (laughs) and kind of being in that physical location and we have a long way to go before technology can catch up with with reality or the physical reality of recreating those experiences but you you mentioned private keys and and this was the the last topic i wanted to kind of go over was because it's something that I've talked about on other episodes and you've talked about and, and, um, and Max Hillebrand as well, is that this concept of, of ownership in Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, within your the, the circles of understanding, I think as you move more and more through those circles, time, you know, and gain more understanding is this this idea that you don't own Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. uh, episode <laughs> 54 that I just did with Stefan Kinsella, who's a, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Who's a, I know him, yeah. Yeah, and he is coming from it from kind of more of an anti-IP uh, stance. And mm-hmm. his his uh, uh, coming, coming to this realization is different. Uh, it comes from a different avenue than, than yeah. what we're talking about. But, you know, Max Hillbrand described it as you, you occult the knowledge of Bitcoin. And in a way, Stefan um, um, also um, talks about it, but from more of a legalistic term in that you can't own mm-hmm. a number. Uh, you can't own yeah. and he talks about almost you know bitcoin as being an idea and in, yeah. in a way where you can't own an idea um and yeah. should never be able to own an idea because it's just it's you know just really gross in in terms of where well what are you going to do you know sue everybody that comes to that has this idea later or thinks about that idea but yeah. i think that it's the best way of understanding bitcoin as not merely a good uh, like gold or wheat or something like that 
a commodity mm-hmm. good, but as purely an idea and as as pure mathematics. You also, even within IP, you can't own a mathematical formula. You can't um, you can't copyright pi as it yeah, exactly. as it exists <laughs> in the universe, and you can't just own a piece of the the foundation of the universe. Yeah. Yeah, and that 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 is like that loops perfectly back to to my insight as well. It's uh, again, I, I I know I repeat myself, but but the main insight for me was that Bitcoin first and foremost is an idea, and all parts of it are an idea, and it's an infectious, very powerful idea. And uh, the fact that private keys are just numbers and in a way are also just an idea is is part of that. And but the whole system. Like Budion wrote a very good piece, how America, uh, why America can't regulate Bitcoin, and it talks about that extensively. That um, the whole system is just speech; all of it is just speech. Like it's a protocol, and you can, if you want to, you can do Bitcoin on paper perfectly well. It just takes a long time, <laughs> but all of it is is on the on the idea level. You know, all of it is speech and that's why america can't really outlaw it and can't really ban it because uh, same as with the crypto wars and um the the fact i think it's so funny and uh i, I said it a, a couple of times already but it it's i think it's just hilarious that you you cannot with this in mind you cannot possess bitcoin but Bitcoin can possess you. And I think I, I just find this end, endlessly funny because obviously we all possess Bitcoin in a way, but we all we are doing is we are um, protecting this idea, which is our private key. We are protecting this information. And that's also why Bitcoin is so insanely powerful because you can, like your private key, the the number that is stored on there, it can take many forms. It's just information and you can express this information in so many different forms. You can store it on a chip in a hardware wallet and only you, then then it kind of becomes something that you can possess, like technically in a way you possess the hardware wallet and no one else, not even you knows, knows the magic number, only the hardware wallet knows the number. <laughs> and so you can kind of possess the thing. And, and, and so we go back to physical security and stuff that we are very familiar with. But you could also uh, create a brain wallet, of course, and just the, the information that is so important, that is your private key, you just store it in your head. And most people currently uh, store their seed phrases just on pieces of paper and throw it somewhere i guess in the sock drawer <laughs> and uh i i just think that it's it's a profound insight once you realize that like i think understanding bitcoin you have multiple of these profound insights and the fact that your private key is just information is one of them and uh i agree with uh stefan kinsella that all of this it's it's a hairy topic and it's problematic in the in the legal sense and he wrote a, a grand book against intellectual copyright uh, i think that's the title and uh, it's basically we we run into the same problems that you have if you want to copyright mathematics or if you want to copyright code you know like from a legal perspective code is on the level of ideas and mathematics as well and you can't really copyright a formula you get into a very weird uh territory because there are mathematical constructs that you can use to transmute a formula into just numbers in a way and then you suddenly copyright numbers and uh 
who should have the right to copyright the number you know what i mean it's <laughs> we have similar problems like that in bitcoin and i think it's really it's really interesting and it's really funny well you kind of wrap this into your realization as well as that uh, i think that while this is the i don't know if you ever heard of the sapir wharf hypothesis where uh, the i don't think i have no yeah it was it was if you ever seen the movie arrival i don't know if you've seen oh yeah it. i have so yeah. in, in that movie it's kind of what led me down that rabbit hole of kind of looking at this and while it's not without its own criticisms and controversies um it's a hypothesis so obviously it's not uh, uh accepted as uh, what's as the fact. name again i didn't get it the first uh, time sapir wharf s-a-p-i-r-w-h-o-r-f and okay they're their hypothesis was that the structure of of language and, and the way that language is created and and the kind of culture behind it affects um well it also affects the culture but it affects the person who speaks it their kind of their cognition their the ability that they see the world and and kind of understand it and your perception of of the the world is is kind of um it's through the lens of your spoken language because there's different there's different uh if you look at the differences between like you know chinese and, and english or or you know german and english that i think especially in english is my uh, my experience uh through um trying to learn other languages is that i think as we've come farther into the future we've kind of almost the incentive for language is to become more efficient, right? So we have less words to describe things and we just have, have uh, fewer words to kind of, uh, to, we have fewer words and each word kind of starts to encapsulate larger and larger um, experiences and descriptions of things, which I, I think is good mm -hmm. for, you know, even online language, right? You have these very shorthand things where mm -hmm. if you look back, I remember looking back at like old English words and I know that there's a lot of words in, in German that have these very, very specific things that they are describing describes nothing yeah. else and i think that that's sad in a way because we kind of lose our ability to um, have a very definitive and very specific um, um description of it of an experience or an item or a thing that mm -hmm. happened or whatever it may be just because you know we, we may call just you know everything is cool or everything is bad or that's great yeah versus <laughs> this specific yeah. word that describes a very specific experience or thing that happened. And I wonder mm -hmm. if as we move forward and we all start to, you know, fall into the, the Bitcoin world view and use the language of Bitcoin, um, whether it's the colloquial language that we speak on Twitter or it's the, uh, as people start to maybe uh, get more into understanding the code of it, that that might uh, prove out to be true that this hypothesis might help us to uh, change our perception of the world merely because we are adopting a brand new language yeah um yeah i think i think we're just missing the um not only the language but also in a way the metaphors for bitcoin and uh something to compare it to i think we don't have anything really to compare it to and I think, again, biology kind of works. And on the level of analysis of, of people, I think Bitcoin kind of works. And I I think maybe a, a good way to, to tie it together and maybe to end on is 
um, there's this this quote from Snow Crash. I just started reading it. Uh, Brandon Quillam recommended it to me. It's a science fiction novel, and I, I think the quote goes something like this: "It's uh, what is this Snow Crash thing? Is it a virus? Is it a religion?" Um, is it a computer code and uh, in the same way bitcoin is all of that and and i think maybe even more yeah i think that's uh, that's a perfect way to to end the episode um i'd really like to thank you for taking time out of your morning to come on and, and discuss this and i look forward to you know in the future that we uh that we have continued conversations on as as you kind of uh, come to understand this experience of you know even yeah. at a deeper level yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for um, providing a platform where I can think out loud. <laughs> and where can people follow you, find you, read what you're what you're up to? Oh, yeah, um, I'm there, Gigi, on Twitter, D-E-R-G-I-G-I. -I, and I also uh, post everything that I post on, on Medium on derGigi.com. And as you said in the beginning, I also have 21lessons.com. And oh, by the way, there will be a book out soon. <laughs> so I oh, will put, put 21 lessons in, into a book. And uh, I also curate bitcoinresources.com. And I want to move Bitcoin resources uh, into the open source and community domain. So it's already open source on GitHub. And I will start looking for collaborators very soon. So if you're interested in doing that, please reach out to me. I'm I'm very easy to reach. My DMs are open and my contact details are on theirgg.com as well. And I will have links to all the things that we talked about, articles and websites and um, um, the, the well, everything uh, that, that we talked about. And once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Dustin.